Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. We are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They've not known my ways. As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if indeed our, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that, he would not in, that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Father, we want to make it to the end. God, it's my prayer that every person in this room would first of all come to a place where they they see the glory of Jesus and they put their faith in Christ. They repent of their sins and they see that Jesus is better than anything. And Lord, as Hebrews 3 says, Lord, I believe part of that is that you'll keep them believing. And so, Lord, that's my prayer today, that you would keep us believing. Lord, that not one of us would fall away, that not one of us would get bitter against you or doubting you or fall in love with the world or other idols. God, that we would we would keep believing, keep trusting all the way to the end. God, get us to the finish line. In Jesus' name, amen. That's not on, Larry. How about now? Okay. The unfortunate truth of our experience is that not everybody who starts the Christian life finishes the Christian life. Isn't it? I mean, that's just real. Um, we, if you've been a Christian very long, if you've been in church very long, you know that there are a lot of people who start the Christian life. Um, they have some kind of conversion experience. They make some sort of profession of faith. They, um, they say, I'm in, you know, I've, I've trusted Christ. I've repented of my sins. I, you know, they start going to a church and start going to a small group, start reading their Bibles to get into Bible study. And then at some point in their life, they, they fall away. At some point in their life, they get disheartened. They, they, they start believing, you know what, maybe, maybe money's where it's at. Maybe, you know, my family, maybe this person, they, they lose interest. They get bored. They get bitter. You know, whatever, whatever the reason is, they, they don't stay. They don't, they don't stay trusting Christ. They don't, they, they don't continue in the faith. They, they drop out, they fall away. And, and so the question on the plate is, what do we say about those folks? What, what happened there? What, what's the truth about that? How do we avoid that? I mean, that, that's what we want to, we want to embrace and, and, and hear today. You know, but before I get there, let me, let me just say that, that what I just described to you, you know, lots of people starting, not everybody finishing, that's not actually something new, okay? That, that, that is not something that, you know, we could say, wow, you know, the Bible, the, the Bible didn't anticipate that. No, no, no. Actually, Jesus said that's exactly what would happen, okay? If you turn to Matthew chapter 13 or Mark chapter 4, either one, it's the parable of the soils. And in that parable of the soils, Jesus talks about how that when the word of God goes out, it hits lots of different kinds of hearts, okay? Now, now there are some hearts that are just hard. 
It's like the, it's like the road, you know? And, and, and the word of God hits it, and they're like, nah, I'm, not, I'm not interested. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Christ. I don't want it. I, I, I'm going to go after my own thing. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. You know, I, I, I'm out, you know? And, and they just completely reject the word, okay? There, there's other hearts, though, three other types of soil in which there is an, a, a response to the word of God, okay? In other words, they, they hear the word of God, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm in. I want it. But the interesting thing is, of those three, Two of them don't, don't make it to the end. They don't, they don't actually bear fruit. They don't, it doesn't take root, okay? Let me read you that in Matthew chapter 13. Verse 20, it says, As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, okay? So there's an immediate joy, you know? Yes, you know what I mean? Jesus saves. I, I want to follow him, okay? But it says there's no root in him. And so he endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. The other soul, verse 22, as for what was sown among the thorns, it's the one who, who hears the word. And, and again, it grows. There's some sort of reception of the word. And this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. So all these other things that they could give their life to choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. And then it gives us the final good soul in which a person receives the truth of the gospel. They embrace the truth of the gospel. They live out the truth of the gospel and they bear fruit the rest of their life, okay? That is the true believer, okay? So, so what I'm telling you here is that when Hebrews 3 says, look, there's a lot of folks that start that don't finish. That's not something that like, you know, the Bible didn't foresee. I mean, Jesus himself said, yeah, that's, that's the way it's going to happen. There's a lot of people who make some sort of profession of faith, but they aren't truly born again believers. And so here's what we want to do today. We want to ask ourselves, you know, what is the sign that I'm truly a believer? What, what is the sign that, that, that I have assurance of my salvation that Christ genuinely lives in me? Now, first of all, let me tell you what, what is not the sign, okay? What, what is not the sign is simply that I had a spiritual, religious conversion, some type of experience in my past, okay? The, the, the Northwest Oklahoma, actually, is saturated with folks. You're not going to find as many around other parts of the country, other parts of the world, as you will right in the Bible Belt, right here in Northwest Oklahoma, surrounded by people who would say, if you confront them about their salvation, if you confront them, hey, are you a follower of Jesus? You know, hey, are, are you born again? Are you saved? Here's what they're going to say. They're going to say, oh, no, 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 I got all that covered. Man, don't, don't worry about me. Don't worry about it. I got that wrapped up, got it all dealt with, all wrapped up. I'm fine. Because because 123 years ago, well, probably not that long, you know, 23 years ago, 10 years ago, 13 years ago, what, 15 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was, hey, I came forward in this church service. Uh, I said, I want Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. I was baptized. My grandma was there. She kissed me on the cheek, left the uh, red lipstick, you know, gave me a Bible. We went out to Subway. We had lunch. It was great. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, but what's happened since then? Well, you know, I'm, I'm just a really busy guy and I got a lot of things on my plate. And, you know, I don't believe in, I don't believe in organized religions. I'm not part of a church. I don't read my Bible much. And, you know, I just believe that, you know, God doesn't really care how I live. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're exactly who Hebrews is talking about here, okay? Because that's not the sign that you're converted, is that you had a spiritual experience a long time ago. There's a problem with that way of thinking. So what is the genuine evidence, the genuine assurance of salvation? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Look in verse 6 and look in verse 14, okay? These two verses say exactly the same thing, okay? Whenever the Bible repeats something, you can tell it's, it's, he want, they, want us, they want us to understand it, okay? So verse 6 and verse 14, let me read those to you. Verse 6 says, But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house... 
if indeed we hold our hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Okay? Now, let's just take that last part. We are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Now, what's that verse telling us? Okay, first of all, we are his house. What, what does that mean? We are his house. Okay? What that means is we're Christians, okay? That's a statement of we're believers. I'm a saved person, okay? In the Bible, the Bible pictures the people of God as the house of God, okay? In 1 Peter, it pictures that you, you as believers are bricks, you know, building up this house, and Jesus is the cornerstone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Do you hear that? Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? So, indeed, a true believer, you're God's house, okay? We're God's house. And so what the Bible's saying there is saying, we are truly believers. We are God's house. And then there's a little word there. See it? Two letters. If. If. What's the if here? We're, we're his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Okay? What does that say? say? Okay, we're true believers. We're Christians. If. If we what? We hold fast. You know what that means, right? I got hold of it, right? We we, we talked about holding fast with the kids over in the Bible program. We we put a two before between me and another guy, and we had them grab onto it, you know? And then we'd lift them up off the ground, and we'd yell, hold fast, hold fast, hold fast, you know? And they had to hold on, right? I mean, that's what it means. And and so we, we, we are God's house if we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Okay, so if if we hold on to Jesus is what I need, I've got Christ, I'm looking to him, he's my hope, I got my eyes on him, he's going to satisfy my soul, he's going to fill me up, he's going to take care of me, he's my salvation. That's what holding fast to your confidence and your hope means. Okay, go to verse 14. Same thing. Okay, except phrased differently. For we share in Christ. What does that mean? We share in Christ. Well, it means you're a believer, right? That's what it means to be a believer is that you've been joined to Jesus and you share in his riches. You share in his forgiveness. You share in his righteous life. God has placed his righteousness inside of you. You share in Christ. You you share in his resurrection. You're tethered. You're connected to Christ forevermore. And so when he says we share in Christ, he's saying we're believers. We're true, genuine believers. And then there's that word again, if, I-F, if. If indeed, what? Same thing. We hold our original confidence firm to the end. We hold our original confidence firm to the end. Do you you see what this is saying, my friends? What this is saying is there is a perseverance emphasis. There is a perseverance proof. The mark of a believer is that he perseveres in his hope to the very end. That is the mark of a believer, okay? It's an interesting choice of words here. The evidence of our salvation is that we have this strong hope in God throughout our, the rest of our life once we're, once we're born again believers. Do you, do you notice that one of the words I like here in verse 6 is boasting, okay? We hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. You know, what does that mean? Well, boasting there is used in the sense of, man, I'm confident in Jesus. You know what it is to boast in something, right? You know, if you boast in your team, what do you say? Man, my team's going to whip it today. Man, they're going to get it. I tell you what, the other team doesn't have a chance, man. My team's the greatest. My team can do anything. My team can win touchdowns. My team can win bowl games, right? What does it mean to boast in Christ? 
It's the same thing. You're saying, man, I have confidence in Jesus. He is what I need. He can take care of me. He can forgive my sins. He, he He can help me with my family. He can help me with my marriage. He can help me with my parenting. He can help me with my job. I have confidence. I have a boast in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that living that way is the sign. It is the mark that you're truly converted, okay? So if you have a religious experience, you have a conversion experience, you put your faith in Christ, then the rest of your life, as you go through trial and trouble and struggle and hardship and through all of that, you look to Christ and you're confident in Christ and and you hope in Christ. Not perfectly. We all fall, but you get up and you're grabbing onto Christ. That is the evidence that you are genuinely a believer. If that does not happen, if a religious experience, you, you have some kind of conversion thing, go through your life, You get distant from God, you fall away, you're not trusting in Christ, you're not boasting in Christ, you're hoping in other things, you're looking to other things, you're worshiping other things. The Bible would say, you're not truly a believer, okay? Now, I want to answer some questions about this. And by the way, I'm going to hammer this like three times, okay? That was number one. We're going to go over it two or three more times because it's really important to me that we get this right at Lincoln, okay? That we get this scripture, that we think the way the Bible talks about this issue, okay? So I'm going to try to answer some questions. Is this saying that true believers lose their salvation? Okay, so, so is what this verse saying? Is it saying that, that you can be a genuine believer, you can put your faith in Christ, you can be forgiven of your sins and connected to Christ and, and filled with the Holy Spirit and justified and you got the life of Jesus, but then all of a sudden you begin to stray and you begin to live in sin and you begin to pull away from God. And, and so all of a sudden in that, God comes in and says, all right, that's enough. And he takes his spiritual scissors and he cuts the, the, the tether between you and Jesus. And he reaches inside of you and he pulls out his Holy Spirit. And he reaches inside you and he takes away Jesus' righteous life. And he reaches inside of you and he takes away your forgiveness. And he grabs your sin off the cross and he puts it back inside of you. Is that what we're saying? No. No. We do not see that in the scriptures, okay? We do not see that in the scriptures. Now what we are saying... What we are saying is that you persevering in your faith is a mark. It is the evidence of a true believer. Okay? Now, another question that I hear people asking is, well, okay, pastor, I, I know you Baptists. I always get people of other denominations. I know you Baptists. Baptists, you guys believe in this whole once saved, always saved thing. And what, what that means is all you got to do is have this religious experience and then you just live like a heathen the rest of your life and you say, well, I'm saved. Well, obviously that's not what I'm saying because I just said that's not true, okay? All right? And that's one of the reasons we don't use that phrase here. At least I don't use that phrase here because people misunderstand it, all right? And, and are we saying that we don't have to give any effort? In it? No. I mean, Hebrews 3 is saying you, you got to hold fast. You got to keep your confidence. You got to keep your hope. Okay. But what we are saying is that God through the Holy Spirit, when he saves somebody, he gives us the ability and the continual work of his spirit to persevere. Okay. So God is doing that in our salvation and he's doing that through a variety of ways, a bunch of which we're going to talk about here in just a second. Okay. So hold on to that thought. Okay. But, but let, let's be real clear about what we're saying here. What is, what does this if mean? Okay. So verse six, and we are his house. If we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Verse 14, we are, we, we share in Christ. If, what, what are we saying about that? If, well, John Piper, which I think he did a great job. I read several of his, his works on this. He says that if is, is a condition for being, not a condition for becoming. Make sense? Condition for being, not a condition for becoming. What what do we mean by that? Well, what this verse is not saying is we are Christians if 
we live this way, we live this way, we live this way, and then we become. That's actually not what that says. Follow me here. We're going to do a little English, okay? I'm not an English major, but we're going to do a little English. Verse, verse 6, we are his house. When is that? We are. Now. Exactly, it's now. Okay? So he's saying we are this now. And, and, and as we live this way, it proves that we are this now. Okay, let's go to verse 14. For we share in Christ if, what tense is that? You see, it's not saying we will become his house. It's not saying we will share in Christ. It's saying we do now. Okay? And so this sentence is not like saying, it's not, it's not like saying, hey, if you pay your membership due, you will become a member. Okay, so it's not saying that. It's not saying, hey, if you live out your faith in Christ the rest of your life through all kinds of trials and tribulations at the end of your life, you become a Christian. No, it's not saying that. It's saying you are now. And so it would be similar to the statement. By the way, I got this from one of you guys' here or a bunch of you guys' hero. Okay, this sentence would be a similar sentence. You know you're a redneck if you cut your grass and you find your car. Okay, that would be the same kind of sentence. All right, now think about the, think about the sentence, all right? You know you're a redneck if you cut your grass and you find your car. Now, think, think through that sentence. Is that saying, is that saying that if you aspire to be a redneck, you know, then what you got to do is you got to let your, your grass, you got to go hide your car in your yard somewhere, let your grass grow up for years, you know, forget about where it is, and then go mow someday, and boom, you bun into it. And then when you run into it, you can shut your mower off and you raise your hands to the sky and you could say, finally, I am a redneck. Finally, I've achieved it, you know? No. What is he saying? He's saying if, if, if that happens to you, you already were a redneck. You've been a redneck for a long time. You know, you've always probably been a redneck, right? That's what he's saying in that sentence, okay? The way it's structured. In the same way, the Bible is saying, as you live out your Christian life, hoping in God, looking to God, confidence in God, that is proof that you are already in Christ, that you are already a believer, that Christ lives in you. That you are already forgiven. That you share in Christ. Okay? One more time. We're going to hit one more time. Real, real brief, okay? I'm going to give you three views of salvation. Two of them I believe are false. The last one I believe is true. Okay? So, are we saying this? Which we're not. I'm saved in a moment of time. Okay? So, I, I come to church. I'm in my room. I'm reading my Bible, whatever. I say, Jesus, I believe everything the Bible says about you. I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. I'm asking forgiveness of my sins, and I want you in my life, okay? And now, boom, I'm saved. I've got all the privileges of salvation, and now I can just kick back, you know? And I don't, I don't have to worry about nothing, and I don't need to go to church. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to follow Christ. I don't really want to. I got it all covered. Grandma, don't worry about me. Mom and Dad, don't worry about me. I'm good. Is that what we're saying? Absolutely not. In fact, Hebrews is saying the opposite. Hebrews is saying, if that is you, you need to fear the wrath of God because your life is not giving evidence that you know Christ. Okay? We're not saying that. Okay? Number two, are we saying, well, when you're saved, you're just tentatively saved. It's kind of like a probationary salvation, right? That you put your faith in Christ, you repent of your sins, and God gives you salvation. He gives you forgiveness, but he's watching. All right? He's watching. And as soon as you start living your life, you run into hard times. And as soon as you get off track, and as soon as you fall away, and as soon as you go so many hours, so many days without trusting him, bam, he comes in, takes it all back. You know, takes away salvation, takes away forgiveness, takes away, you know, the life of Christ, takes it all back. And, and now you've lost it. And now you got to get it back again. Is that what we're saying? No, no, and no. 
Okay, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of folks out there that believe both of those. What I'm telling you is that's not what the Bible says. Okay, so what does the Bible say? The Bible says, well, if you're truly a saved person, <coughs> upon your conversion, you receive all the benefits of salvation, and then the rest of your life, you prove your genuine connection to Christ by a life of faithfulness to God that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is salvation, okay? Are we good with there? That's what salvation is. Now, now, how, how should we think about this with one another? Hey, I think Hebrews gives us a great clue here. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 starts this discussion by him saying, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling. Now, do you see what he just did there? He, he says basically, hey, you claim, to Christ, do you claim to know Christ? I believe you. But, hey... If you're really a believer, you need to live this way. You need to trust Christ. You need to be confident in him. You need to be, you know, boast in, in, in the Lord the rest of your life. You need to be faithful, okay? Do you, do, you see, do you see what he does there? He doesn't doubt people's salvation. I don't think we should do that either, you know? When someone tells you they become a Christian, I don't think you should say, well, I think you got about a one in a hundred chance of making it, you know, because I know you, you know, and I doubt it's really real. No, no. Not at all. The writer of Hebrews says, hey, you profess Christ. I believe you. I'm in. Man, I'm with you, brother. And I'm going to be a part of God's, God's help in, in helping you to make it all the way to the end. So how does that work? How do we, how do we keep believing? Okay. How do we keep believing? Ed Evans professed Christ, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago or so. I, it was before I got here. He was a Christian when I came. But, but, he, but he put his faith in Jesus and, and, and he repented of his sins and he's trusted Christ. So how does Ed Evans prove? How does he demonstrate that he's genuinely a believer? How does he make it to the end? Well, lots of different ways. And they're all gifts of the Spirit of God, okay? One of those ways, here's my, I got to have another commercial, is next week's sermon, okay? Please come back. It's integral to our small group ministry. One of those ways is what we are to one another. That's verse 12 and 13. Verse 13, exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. You see, God's given us a gift in the church. That's one of the ways that we make it. That's one of the ways that, that God enables us to keep believing and not fall away. Is the people of God, okay? But that's next week, all right? What are some other ways... What are some other things that God gives us so that we might continue to believe, continue to trust, continue to hold on to him, continue to be faithful? Well, one of them is Jesus. That's, that's obvious, isn't it? Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, two words here, consider Jesus. You know how you keep your faith strong? You keep your faith strong by considering Jesus, okay? The more you think about Jesus, the more you think about his, his attributes, his characteristics, what he's done, what he is doing, what he will do, how awesome he is, how glorious he is, how faithful he is. The more you think about Christ, the more your faith is strengthened. You know the problem with most Christians? The problem with most Christians is they think too much of themselves and too little of Jesus. That really is the deal, you know? I mean, if you're in the habit of, you go through most of your life thinking, well, you know, uh, how do I look? And what do people think of me? And I don't think they like me. And, you know, nobody's catering to me and nobody's ministering to me. And, you know, I've got such a hard life and woe is me. And I'm a, man, that, that's, man you're, you're, you're not helping yourself continue in the faith, okay? But when your mindset is set upon Christ, 
you know, and your heart is, man, Jesus, I want to know you. Show me who you are. Show me your power. Show me your glory. Show me your incredible faithfulness. Show me that you are the bread of life. Show me that you are the fountain of living waters. You know what that does? That makes me want to follow him. It makes, it boosts my confidence in him, my boasting in him, my hope in him. Number two, how do we keep believing? By responding to God's word. This is an interesting text. Let me read you some verses, okay? Hebrews 3, verse 7 and 8. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Verse 15. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Chapter 4, verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Why does he keep telling us that? One of the reasons he keeps telling us that is because one of the means by which we keep believing is the word of God, okay? It's the word of God. Yeah, how, how do I live the Christian life, okay? So I start out here and, and, and I embrace Christ and his salvation and, and I'm forgiven of my sins and I'm on the Christian life, all right? And what, what, what do I by nature do? I'm just like a car out of alignment, right? Poo, in the ditch, right? And what, what, what gets me out of the ditch? The word of God, right? I, I hear the word. I embrace the word. People speak next week's sermon. People speak the word of God to me, right? And I receive it. I'm like, oh, yes, Lord. Okay. Yeah, you, you're all right. You're the best. I, I need to back, back on the road, right? I go a little more in the ditch on the other side, right? The word of God convicts me. I respond to it. I don't harden my heart to it. And we'll talk next week. What happens when you, when you hear the word of God and you ignore it? You hear the word of God and you, you push it away. Ooh, Danger, folks, danger. That's part of what Hebrews is saying. When you, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Respond to the word of God. Folks, it's, it's the process by which God keeps you in the faith. One of the greatest assurance passages in the Bible, I'm not going to say one of the greatest. This is the greatest in my mind, all right? John 10, 27, 28, 29. Man, if you struggle knowing that God can keep you, you got to have these verses, all right? Listen to them. Ready? My sheep, this is Jesus talking, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. This is why I say you can't lose your salvation. Because if Jesus gives you eternal life, if he gives that to you, if there's ever a time that you don't have it, what did he give you then? All right, listen to the next part. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Never perish. Never perish. How else could you interpret? Never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Man, Jesus is like, I got my hand around you. God, the Father's got his hand around you. Nobody's getting you out of my hand. There's some assurance there, isn't there? Now, but how did that verse start? My sheep hear my voice. What's characteristic of a sheep? He hears the word of God, right? Right? He's going along in his life. He hears, he responds to the word of God. He's, he's responding to God's truth, okay? Right? He's not one of those sheep that, you know, or not one of those, you ever, ever, one, you ever had one of your kids do that, you know? Hey, hey, come back, come back. You know, there they go, you know. I didn't hear you, dad. I didn't hear you. I know I was three feet away from you and you're screaming, but I didn't hear you, you know? No, that. No, my sheep hear my voice. We respond to the word of God. and That's why we're people of the book. And that's why we're people that gather together. That's the means by which God has given us to keep believing. Number three, 
How do we keep believing? Man, we, we beware of an unbelieving heart, okay? You, you, you know what, folks? Our, our struggle with sin is a struggle with unbelief in our hearts. Man, when you read this passage, you notice the, the, the seriousness of the heart, okay? Verse 8, don't harden your heart, okay? Verse, verse 15, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Chapter 4, verse, verse uh, 7, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Verse 9, they always go astray in their heart. Unbelief is the root of all sin. I mean, I really believe that. What are you struggling with today? You struggling with uh, you struggling with uh, anger? You struggling with you know un- unforgiveness, bitterness? Can you just not forgive somebody? You know, God's God's told you to forgive a thousand times and you won't do it. Are you struggling with self pity? Are you struggling with pride? Are you struggling with lust? Are you struggling with greed? What are you struggling with? Well, let me tell you, the root of that deal is unbelief. Okay, you need to you need to draw a line from your sin and you need to draw it back to your heart and you need to say, what part of my heart is not trusting Christ? What part of my heart is, is not confident in Jesus and confident in who he is and confident in what he said and what he's promised and what he's told me? Folks, the heart of sin is unbelieving. So as believers, one of the things that God has done is he said, guard your heart. Beware of your heart. Keep your heart from unbelief. The major job of a believer is, is to believe, <laughs> you know, to trust Christ. And as you do that, man, God will begin to weed the sin out of your life. And it'll give you victory in those areas that you can't get victory. Number three, four, five. I don't know what number it is. Uh, I didn't number them. Remember the example of those who came out of Egypt. Okay, now we got to go quick here. But, but have you noticed that, that there's, a, there's an Old Testament story woven through this passage? Did you see that? You know, he, he talks about in verse 8, Don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion, the day of testing in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test, saw my works, they provoked, I was provoked by that generation. Uh, down in verse 16, uh, was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? Okay, so what's the story here, okay? Now, I want to take the time, just bear with me. If you heard this story a thousand times, great. You're going to hear it a thousand one, okay? Because some people, I, I'm convinced, some people in here don't know this story. So I want to give it to you, all right? So you can understand this. All right, so here's the story. So children of Israel are in Egypt for 400 years in slavery, okay? God sends Moses. Moses comes into Egypt. He goes to Pharaoh, let my people go. God says, let my people go. Pharaoh's like, yeah, no, that's my labor force, not letting them go, get out of here. God says, okay, we're going to do this the hard way. He sends 10 catastrophic, devastating plagues upon Egypt. And finally, in the 10th plague, when every firstborn in Egypt is, 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 dies in the night by the death angel, Pharaoh's like, okay, I think I'm letting you go, all right? So he lets them go, all right? So they go out of Egypt. They, go, they, they start toward the promised land. They get to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's like, I'm gonna change my mind. I'm going after these guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy them. I'm gonna bring them back. He, Pharaoh's army comes in. God parts the Red Sea. Children of Israel go through the Red Sea. Moses leads them through. Pharaoh's army comes in. God brings the sea back, destroys Pharaoh's army. They are free, okay? They begin going in the wilderness. They begin living this life with God. But guess what? Trials happen in life. Surprised you, didn't it? You never knew that, right? Trials happen in life. They, they're short on water one day. What happens? The, the, the people are like, oh, great, God, you've let us down, man. We knew we couldn't trust you. That Moses, that sorry sucker, you know, we don't like that guy. He let us out of here. We should have stayed in Egypt. 
God provides water out of the rock, okay? They go a few days more. We're short on food. What do the people do? Ah, you know, we can't trust God. Man, what is he doing, Moses? I can't believe that guy. They're trying to kill us. We should have never went. God provides manna from heaven, right? They get to the mountain. God gives the Ten Commandments. He go, Moses goes up on the commandment on the mountain to get the commandments. He's gone for 40 days. What do the people do? Oh, I guess he's left us. I guess, you know, he's not coming back. We got to make our own God. They fashion for themselves a golden calf. Moses comes down, not very happy about that, breaks the commandments, makes him drink the calf, goes back on the mountain, gets the commandments again, comes back, let's go to the promised land. They go to the promised land. They get to the edge of the land. They send 12 spies into the land. We're going to check it out. What do we need to do here to take this land? God's given it to us. The 12 spies come back. They're like, man, it's a great land. God was not kidding. This is awesome, but we can't do it. 10 spies, we can't do it. God's brought us out here for nothing. We should have never left. This was a bad idea. We need to stone that Moses character. Man, he's caused all this trouble on us. We can't go in there. We can't do it. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb. We can do it, guys. Trust God. Trust God. Be a believer. God won't let us down. Nope, can't do it. God says that's it. This generation will not enter my rest. They will not enter the promised land. That's his point here. Do you you see how how he comes back to that over and over again? Verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient, we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So he gives us this example of the children of Israel. Now, why is he giving us this example of the children of Israel? You know why? Because they, they, they heard the word of God. They came out of Egypt. They were a part of the people of God. They saw the works of God. But they were not believers. You see why he gives us this story? Because it's really possible for you to be here. For a lot of people, how do you look like a Christian? You do this. Right here. Sunday morning. Is it. Anybody can do this. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Yeah, you can do it. If you get tired, you just lay back, you know. It's easy. Not a problem. That's all, that's what you do. And, and you look like you're apart, right? I mean, yeah, he's one, yeah, right there. He was right there in the front row. Man, if you sit on the front row, you got to be a Christian. I mean, really. I mean, eh. you know, right? And, and, and you heard the word and, and you maybe even saw some miraculous things, some awesome things, got excited. But here's the deal. Are you believing? Not did you believe, are you? Are you trusting him? Are you living a life of faith? Are you holding fast our confidence and boasting in our hope, right? Exodus 17, verse 3 and 7. I'm going to read you what these guys say in in the wilderness, okay? Verse 3, but the people thirsted there for water and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Verse 7, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel. And they tested the Lord and saying, is the Lord among us or not? What's the, what's the deal? Well, Hebrews tells us what the deal is. Verse 19, we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Keep reading, by the way. Go to, go to, go, go to the next verse. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us... Fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Verse 2, for good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because why? 
They were not united by faith with those who listened. What is the assurance of your salvation? Now, is there anything wrong? I got got to say this. Is there anything wrong with saying, man, May 1990, God changed my life. Is there anything wrong with that? No, not at all. There's everything right with that. Let me give you my testimony. May 1990, God changed my life. I I mean, middle of the night, God put before me two paths. Jason, you keep going your way. You're going to get more of what you got. Misery, broken relationships, destroyed life. You you come follow Jesus. And I was like, Lord, I'm in. And, and, you know, I didn't hear a voice or anything, but I knew. Yeah, I've said that a hundred times. I've never repented. I've never really trusted him. I've never really given him my life and said, Jesus, I'm all in on you. And it happened that night. Anything wrong with giving my testimony and telling you, hey, back... No, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing right with that. Now, what's wrong, though, is if nothing's been happening since May 1990. That's a problem, right? Because if I'm a genuine believer, what's going to be happening? I'm going to be trusting. I'm I'm not only going to have a story about May 1990. I'm going to have a story about January 8th this week, you know, right? I'm going to have a story about how I came to a crisis, you know, in relationships and with my marriage, with my family. I trusted Christ. I turned to Christ. I was confident in the Lord. Why? Because I'm continuing to believe. And my continued belief is evidence that I am part of God's family. I tell you guys, here's here's our heart. Here's Pastor Daniel's heart for you. Here's my heart for you. Man, we want 100%. We want 100. We want everybody in this room to, to come to a point where they hear the gospel, they hear who Jesus is, they, they want him. They, they want forgiveness. They want, they want Christ as Lord. They want Christ as King. We, we want 100% there. And then we want 100% of, of folks who continue believing, continue trusting. Now, 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 again, that's, that's going to happen how? Through the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Through, through, through the Word of God and through, through thinking about Jesus and exalting Jesus and worshiping Jesus and singing about Jesus and studying about Jesus, right? It's going to happen through looking at the Old Testament examples. It's going to happen through, through, through other people. That's next week. You can't wait till next week, can you? Others, our role. I got a role in Bonnie's life to help her keep believing. She's got a role in my life. Man, we want 100%. Don't we, Pastor Dan? We want 100%. Let's keep believing. Let's keep trusting. Let's show we are God's people. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness to us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us, Lord. Not only for saving us, but also, God, but staying with us, Lord, and and helping us to continue to trust you and continue to believe and continue to hope in you and, and, and put our faith in you. God, keep us from falling away. In Jesus' name, amen.